Welcome to Inspired with me, your host, Allison Marchetti. I am so glad you're here. Inspired is a podcast and a community just for moms in midlife. Join me as I take you behind the highlight reel of experts, of moms, of guests, to share inspiring and actionable tips, to share real stories and tools, to help you feel less alone and to feel your absolute best in midlife. On this podcast, I will encourage you to rethink what midlife means to you. We give ourselves permission here to go for our dreams, to find meaning, to lean into what feels good, to pivot in life, change our minds, heal, and be imperfect. Get ready to hear inspiring conversations about women and moms leaning into meaning and purpose in every aspect of midlife. Each week's episode is meant to empower you and help midlife moms just like us figure out next steps in all aspects of our life and to create a beautiful midlife. I'm a former trial lawyer turned midlife mentor and advocate, and I am on a mission to redefine midlife as the amazing opportunity that it is. I am so glad that you're here. Now let's get inspired. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the podcast with me, your host, Allison Marchetti. You guys, I am so excited to bring you this episode. You guys have been asking for months and months and months for me to do an episode on this topic. And I searched and searched to find somebody I thought would bring a fresh perspective, would make us all really think, and also would provide us with some tools and some tips to make some positive changes in this area of parenting. And it's youth sports. And before you say, oh, you know what? I actually don't have a child that does youth sports. I want you to know that this episode is still for you too, because the lessons and the tips and the things that we talk about translate into every aspect. It could be academics, clubs, college, art, music, all of these extracurriculars that our kids are doing. The tips and topics that we talk about translate into all of these. This episode's great. It's going to be an episode that you're going to want to bookmark and you're going to want to share it with friends. I know I've already shared it with friends. Our guest, Asia, is incredible. She is a mom just like us. She's in midlife. She was an athlete. Her kids were athletes and some of them still are athletes. And she is so, so knowledgeable, you guys, in sports, professional sports and youth sports. I can't think of a better person to talk about this topic than Asia. She's incredible. She's a four-time Emmy award-winning journalist and sports television producer. She has worked for all the major sports networks like Fox Sports, ESPN, TNT, NFL, NBC. She's covered some of the most high-profile sporting events in the world, including Olympics, NBA playoffs, Super Bowls, and she's interviewed hundreds of top athletes and has helped tell their stories about their talent, their work ethic, and their journeys on the field and off the field. So behind the scenes too, she's talked to them and seen them. And to tap it all off, she started a business teaching about everything she learned about sports to help our kids in their youth sports. And she called it, I love to watch you play. She also shares about how and why she started this business. And she bravely shares her struggles because there have been some. And she generously shares her story with us as a cautionary tale. She's so open. She's so real. She's relatable. She's honest. She's vulnerable. 
And I think you guys are really going to get a lot out of this episode. I can't say enough positive things about Asia. I'm just really grateful for her and everything that she shared in this episode. As always, take what resonates and leave the rest. Now let's dive into this episode with the incredible Asia Mape. Hi, I'm Asia Mape from I Love to Watch You Play. Hi, I'm so glad you're here. I feel like this is going to be such a great conversation and so many parents have so many questions about what's right, what's not right, what should we do, what shouldn't we do to best encourage and empower our kids in youth sports. So it's like, good, I'm glad. So if you could give your background a little bit and just let everybody know, you know, what you're doing, what your background is, what your journey looked like. Yeah. So, you know, I have been playing sports since, you know, I was tiny. In fact, in like old, old videos and home videos, you can either hear a ball bouncing or you'll see me kind of walk through dribbling a ball. Um, I've always loved sports. I have two older brothers and I always wanted to play with them and follow in their footsteps. So it was kind of a natural path for me. Um, and you know, it was really, um, for early on, for sure, it was sort of an escape, kind of a little bit of a rough childhood. And, you know, I would be out in the streets playing basketball at pickup courts until dark. And it was, it was cool, because I got pretty good at it. And, you know, what turned into sort of like, this, um, you know, escape from my, my problems going on at home became something that gave me a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, opened doors for me, and I ended up playing basketball in college. Um, and, and then went on to work in sports television for like many, many years. And, you know, like my bridesmaids were all my basketball teammates, like sports has really been a big part of my entire life. And then of course I found it, I love to watch you play. So I'm still involved with sports and, and my kids play sports. So yeah, it's really been, you know, a very big part of who I am and, and sort of my path in life so far. And so what prompted you to start? I love to watch you play. You know, so after working in sports television for many years and, you know, I worked for all the big networks, Fox and ESPN and TNT and did Super Bowls and NBA playoffs, you know, and we're like following around these athletes and you're, you know, at their practices and you're at the games and, you know, you feel like, okay, well, it'd be nice to sort of take some of this information and some of what I've learned and witnessed and watched and, and sort of help parents. And at the time that's Allison, that's really what it was helping parents. And it was not helping them in the way that I've really focused the website now, but it was tips and how, how to help them perform better. And look, I still love that part of it. And I do share a lot of stuff like that. And I know we're going to talk about some of that, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really morphed into this helping us keep our sanity and our balance and what really matters and what the real whole point of the website is helping to keep our kids happy and healthy and playing sports longer. And I do that through the parents. And, you know, I think there's a lot of coaches and, and administrators maybe that also kind of read my stuff, but it's really mostly meant for the parent to help the kids. So that's kind of been the mission and it, and it didn't really start out that way. So it's been my journey along with the website's journey. So it's kind of cool and unique. I think so too. I love it. So what made you decide to pivot? So your website and your business was focused on more performance-based and giving tips for parents 
and coaches how to help their athletes excel. And then you said that there was a point where it pivoted. So what prompted that? Yeah. So it was a slow pivot at first. And then, you know, it kind of took a big, sharp turn with my own daughter and my experience with her. I think um, I was already seeing the need for it. I was always already writing a few articles about my own feelings um, that felt sort of out of control. If, if I had to like pick the best word for it, like when you're, you start to make decisions and choices and, you know, you're kind of pushing down that inner sort of voice of what might be right and about balance in your life. And, you know, I was already kind of doing that when my daughter decided to um, quit playing sports and she was a great athlete, you know, she played a ton of different sports growing up. She was athlete of the year, this and that and the other, and was focused on water polo and, you know, wanted to play in the Olympics. And when she quit sports and it was a lot of, you know, it had been my world sort of helping her and supporting her in what I thought was supporting her. And so I think that was really when the walls kind of came tumbling down. And I, you know, I, I think, as I said, I was already making a lot of content by that point, actually probably mm-hmm. more, the majority of it was already, I think I was already going that direction, but it really kind of mm-hmm. hit home um, literally for me at that point. How interesting that you were already moving in that direction. And then that's the time when it happened with your daughter too, to push you forward even yeah, does more. Life works like that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So yeah. you said, I wanted you to, to go back and explain, you said that, you know, you just kind of felt out of control with the sports and all of it. So what do you mean by that? Cause I think parents could probably really, really relate to that. Cause I know that I can, and my kids, yeah. are old. they're younger. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know. Um, and I think it gets harder and harder, the older they get and the more mm-hmm. invested you get, but I mean, look, it's, it's such a natural thing to feel. And I, I really don't ever bash parents and not just because I felt that way, but because I think a lot of us feel that way in our society is kind of built around this kind of stuff, right? Like yes. if you look at what's getting the biggest ratings, it's sports and it's like, you know, this sort of glory. And then you put into that world, something that literally either came out of you or that you've been raising or that you're responsible for. And like trying to keep your sanity around that is not easy. Um, I don't think it's supernatural. I, I do hear of, and some people will write in or comments um, and, you know, it makes you feel like you're this big, but like, of course, why would you ever do that around you? You know, but I'm like, oh, I think you're the minority, not not most of us do feel caught up in it do like get and you know I wrote this piece a long time ago about it feels like a drug you know I could feel myself like the excitement and the nervous energy how is how is she gonna play today you know and you get there and then it's like you get the drug and you're like oh yeah yeah and then it's like after and it's like (laughs) if it didn't go well and you're just feel you know and I I really sort of started taking notice when I was doing some mindful work of my own mindfulness work. Mm -hmm. And I read a book and it was like, track your feelings, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout the day. And so a lot of my day was spent at youth sports practices and games Mm -hmm. and driving. And so I really started sort of taking notice. And it wasn't until then that I realized, wow, I really might have a problem here because Mm -hmm. I wasn't a screamer. 
I wasn't like um, way over the top. Of course, I'd been doing the website for a while. I knew a lot of the ways I was supposed to behave at that point. Um, I didn't feel like I was living vicariously through my kids. I had had a lot of my own success. I wasn't trying to like finish something that I started and couldn't. So I kind of thought I was pretty good. But it wasn't until that mindfulness book when I really sort of got a wake up call. I love that you told your story. And I really appreciate that because I think a lot of people will resonate with that. You know, sometimes we can fall into living vicariously through our kids. There's a quote that I probably won't get correct, but it says something to the effect that the heaviest burden we can put on our children is our own unrealized dreams as a parent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe you always wanted to be you know, a baseball star, or you thought that you made a wrong decision and you could have been or hockey or cheer or whatever it is. And then Mm -hmm. you think this is what's best for my child. So I'm going to move them forward because this is something that I wished I had had in my own life. Right. Yeah. And there's, or just what you're saying. I mean, you were so educated on all of it and you still fell into it. I love the analogy that you said, like a drug, because I, I do see that, you know, I, I even find myself, and I think that I'm, I try to be mindful too. I think as parents, sometimes we can gain our identities or our worth as a parent through how our kids are performing. So if our kids are performing well at sports, academics, music, art, whatever it is, okay, we can generalize it. We feel like we're doing a good job and we feel validated and we feel like we're a good parent. If our kids are not, if our kids bring home, you know, a a grade that maybe isn't what we thought they could have had, or they played in a way that we think that maybe they could have done better, or they made mistakes, then we feel like we're embarrassed and that we have failed in some way. And so then we look for things. What can we do to make it better? Because we don't want to feel like that anymore. And we don't want our kids to feel like that anymore either. So we're going to hire the private instructor. We're going to hire you know, we're going to put them on the travel teams and we're going to revolve our entire lives. Our social lives turn into our sports. Our, our entire lives can fall into these sports. Easy to lose sight. Oh my goodness. Of what's important. I think you just said that so eloquently and so spot on about what happens. And I think it's really true. And, and, you know, whether it's that sort of that success driving or that wanting to post it on Facebook or, Sometimes it's the return on investment where you put so much into it and you want it out, you want to see a result. I I mean, I've certainly been, been, you know, privy to that sort, sort of emotion of like, we've done all this work and like, what, like you, it just, you get start to get, or she doesn't even get into the game and you're just like, we drove all the, whatever it is. It's like, it's, we're putting so much into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's this little fact and you've kind of touched on it, but it's like our own hurts and our own traumas and our own pains, whether those have to do with, you know, wanting to look good or something even deeper, you know, of shame or or whatever your, your own past traumas are. We, we bring those to our parenting and we bring those to our sports parenting. Um, And so like, getting healed as best you can, or, you know, sort of understanding yourself. And I I think they, a lot of the parenting experts talk a lot lot about this before you even have your kids to try to figure a lot of your stuff out. And look, 
no one's going to be, you're never going to be completely healed and completely perfect, yes. you know, but being aware so that you can work on it. And it, yes. it's like, I say this all the time. It's I'm not, I am still a work in progress and all this stuff completely like every, and there's a new challenge, every game, every day, every season, mm -hmm. every new parent that joins the team, whatever it brings a new challenge. And mm -hmm. as long as I'm aware of what my goal is and what I'm trying to do, it's easier to sort of stay the course. And sometimes I don't, and then I check myself and I get back, but you know, it's not like this perfect thing where you're ever going to be perfect at it. You know, it's something you're working at constantly. So what do you think some good goals should be as a sports parent? Well, I mean, I think the ultimate goal, right, is that your kid loves the sport. Mm -hmm. There's there's nothing, um, you know, when I coached and volunteer coached a lot, that was always the number one thing is if the kids came back and signed up the next year. That's what it's really all about. Look, there's so many things that our kids get from youth sports or should get from youth sports. And the list I could spend the rest of this podcast talking about because there's so many, yes. but you know, everything from like the, the leadership qualities, learning to work with others, learning how to handle success, how to handle failure to like the statistics for girls, particularly about drug use and unwanted pregnancies. Everything is improved when you play sport. Mm -hmm. Um, your grades typically, like there's so many things that it correlates positively to, but not lately as much. And so like, there's all this mental health issues, there's the stress and the pressure. And so what we're doing is we're bringing this sort of professionalization of sports into this thing that should be fun mm -hmm. and we're ruining it for our kids and they're not wanting to play and they're quitting sports way too early and they're stressed out. And they're not, it's not like providing the positive effects that it should be. And that's not everybody, of course, mm -hmm. across the board, but we're seeing this trend, you know, big time. And it's not just in sports either. It's kids. We're bringing that same thing as you sort of touched on earlier to their academics. We're bringing it. Are they a dancer? We're bringing it to that, to whatever they're doing. We're bringing this sort of, you must be amazing. You must be perfect at it or you're not good enough and I'm going to be upset with you. And it's just a, a terrible um, sort of dynamic to create with your child. I think what can be really confusing as a parent, and I'll speak from my own um, experiences, you don't know what's too much. You don't know what's enough, you know? So your child is doing something and whatever activity it is, you know, academics, whatever it is, and then they start struggling, or maybe you see them falling behind in something, or maybe you see the team progressing or, and then you naturally want to get in front of it. So then you hire the private <laughs> tutor or you hire the private coach and they end up doing sports year round. You know, I, I always hear that, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, they say, well, my child doesn't do sports year round, right? So <clears throat> whatever the sport is, and maybe they aren't actively participating in a competitive way, but they're still doing private lessons. So they're still using those muscles repetitively mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. and over mm -hmm. and over again. And it's hard to know what's right. I mean, if you have yeah. the ability financially, and if you have the time, we all want to do what's best for our kids. 
So we want them to succeed and we want them to be comfortable, you know? So it's hard to know as a parent, what's the line? So what would you advise on that? Wow. Such a great question and topic. And I love it. Um, You know, I wrote an article about this, uh, the predicament of the good athlete. Yes. Right. Because the great athlete, it's very obvious. And usually that's very self-driven too. a lot of the times. And, you know, you just like, okay, and they're getting the best coaching and they want to play more because they're getting their bread buttered by it. And it like all makes a lot of good sense. Mm -hmm. Same thing for like the not very good athletes. Um, They kind of, they know the parents know that it's about fun and should be getting all these things. And they're not trying to get into college from it. They're not trying to get all these accolades or whatever. And so that's a real easy path. But it's really this sort of middle group that most of us fall into, the yes. good athlete. Yes. And so we're always like, well, if I push a little or if I do this, then maybe they're going to be great. And if yes. I don't, then they're never going to maybe they're not going to find their way and they're going to miss out on all these opportunities yes. or it's like or they're not going to make the team and then we're not going to ruin the their lives. Like they won't be with yes. their friends. Yes. And they're yes. all making the team. And yes. You know, it's really, really hard. And and there's not like an easy answer to that. I, I do think that like, well, I've come up with three questions that I use for myself that mm-hmm. I think are very helpful. Um, and one, is it, you know, the child's decision? So, mm-hmm. you know, is it what they want? Because mm-hmm. if it's not what they want, and, and I'm not talking about your three games into the season and they don't want to play, right? they're going to finish the season. Like there's some things that are just like, mm-hmm. you know, unless there's some abuse going on with the coach, right? but there's some things that, okay, you already signed up. You're going to play, mm-hmm. but like next year, I don't want to play, you know? So like, listen to your kid, mm-hmm. listen to your kid. Don't, I'm not saying let them out of their responsibilities, but you have to have this open dialogue with them. And this is not something that just happens and starts right now. This is a trust building that I did not have with my oldest daughter because I was listening and making judgments and not giving her space to really talk about her feelings because mm. I wanted her to keep playing sports. And so those conversations weren't very um, honest and open. And and when you start that way, when they're younger talking about things, it's really hard to have that built in where they can be honest with you. So first off, from a very early age, you have to start those conversations. You have to be willing to hear them, listen to them and take action on that. But so, so once, if that's in place, then what do they want? So they, if you're having open dialogue, what do they want? Right. It's always should be driven by their, their, what they want. Um, The second one is age appropriate. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that's an easy solve. And this is like the short of it, right? If they're under 13 years old, it should mostly be about fun. Okay. And it should mostly be different sports. Like it's just, that's a blanket sort of, you know, at 13 is when, if you're really going to be serious about something, you probably need to start specializing more and getting more coaching and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, you know, I have a daughter that plays soccer at Ohio state and my other daughter could have probably played somewhere. So like, I I'm not like one of these that is just all about it's only fun or whatever. It's every kid's own journey and path. Mm -hmm. And you can actually parent both in a very similar way, because it has to be driven and motivated by the child. Um, 
The third question. So the first one was, what does the kid want? Always understand what they want. The second one is it age appropriate. And the third one, because sometimes a 10 year old boy wants to play baseball all year round. Right. But that mm-hmm. might not be age appropriate. So like you have to also sometimes step in and make those decisions. And the third mm-hmm. one, does it align with your values of your family and what you guys are all about and what, you know, you guys um, want and I, no one can tell you what those are. Right. But that's your own family values. And, um, you know, sports are really important in my family. And so we play a lot of sports and that's fine because we all love it and it's fine. My daughter who didn't love it, we had to be more open to what she wanted to do and, mm-hmm. and see what her values were. But you have to kind of make sure it aligns with, you know, how much money you want to spend on it, how much time you want to take away from other activities, other family members. But if it aligns with your own family values, those are sort of the three questions that I think can really, they're simple, but they can really be helpful. I love those questions. And I think my favorite, I love them all, but I really love that you added the third one in to consider your own family values, because I try to check myself and ask myself, Hey, Allison, is this really going to matter to you in 10 years? Are you guys going to look back and say, we wished we spent all of our time at sporting activities or not? Because if the answer is no, that's okay. And if the answer is yes, that's okay too. Just to have the awareness right? Just to take a pause because sometimes you can just get so wrapped up in all of it. And it's just, you're, you're at sporting events all the time and your life is fully consumed with your kids' activities. And again, if that's what we want and that's what our kids want too, that's great. If it's not, that's okay too. I think just to pause and have that awareness and have that open line of communication with ourselves and with our kids. And we always can change our minds too. Maybe at this point in our life, it's working. And then maybe next year it's not working anymore. It doesn't need to be, you know, hard and one way or another, just be open to asking these questions and be open to listening to yourself and to your kids and see what's working for your family. I also love that you pointed out that all kids are different. All of my kids are different. I see that my husband and I will say like, how, how did we raise these three kids who are so different? but they are different. So just because one kid, something works for one child, doesn't mean it will necessarily work for the other. The other thing I would love for you to speak to too, is I, I'm sure that you get pushback from parents and they say, well, I know what's best for my child. So you're telling me that I should listen to my child. And if I did, all they do was play video games. So I actually know what's best for them. And even though they're saying, I don't want to go to that activity, I'm still going to have them go because I'm the parent. I have more experience and I know what's best. So what do you say to that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I want to say one thing about what you just said that was so important. Your kids will change. And I think like to your point about like the family values might change. um, That's what happened with my daughter. And we just were so set on one direction. We couldn't hear it. We just weren't accepting it. And so like kids are kids, what they love when they're 10 and 11. I want to be an Olympic water polo player. Yes. Well, you don't think by 16, maybe that could have changed. Like, yes. And and you, you brought that up and it's such a good point. Um, This other topic. Yes. It's a big one and a hard one. And I've, I've struggled with it too. And I'll use my own daughter as an example. Um, and I think it's partially knowing and understanding 
your kid, obviously, I mean, I don't feel any kid should sit around and play video games all day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you don't, you don't let that be an option, Mm -hmm. but you can also have like balanced options, you know, okay. If you, you know, you do this a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but I think what is even more just interesting and important is I think what you were getting at, like my daughter put her foot down one year, there was a big, um, it was that year they changed the soccer. This might be before um, your kids were playing sports, but they went from school age years to birth year. And she's December 26 and mm-hmm. was going to have to, so she's the baby of that birth year. Mm-hmm. She was going to have to move up and she's very slow to change. She doesn't like new things. Mm-hmm. She had been loving soccer. Um, and she's like, I don't want to play anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was right before the tryout. I, I think I'm done with soccer. I don't want to play anymore. And, um, it was like, well, you were just loving soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, are you worried about trying to have the conversations? No, no, I just don't really like it. I don't really like it. So I'm not going to play anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, she was young here and now I can see these patterns at the time. I, I wasn't like hundred percent convinced that it was this sort of personality of hers that is so fearful of new situations. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, I talked to her father and at the time we were like, I think we need to push her to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, this is, goes against a lot of what I write about and what I talk about, but we just felt like we couldn't make the connection. It wasn't registering. It didn't seem to make sense. Mm-hmm. And I took her Allison to that tryout and it was brutal. She was crying and ran over to me in the middle and was like hiding and like squeezing me so tight and screaming and crying and we were such a scene by the way but and I literally peeled her off me and said get back on that field and it felt awful and I still I, I mean I think that it was the right move. And, and I'll explain that why, mm-hmm. but you know, we second guess ourselves all the time, but she ended up going back in. She like took a second and got herself together and mm-hmm. went back in, finished out that tryout, um, made the team. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, even before she knew she made the team, when she got home, I think it was that night. Cause kids are so open and honest, right? Like yes. they're, when they're young, they're not going to try to play like that wasn't like, you know, she just was so she had this like chest out. She did it. She went through something hard that yes. really made her uncomfortable. She succeeded. Like I said, we didn't even know she made the team yet. And there was a change in her little self. And I I was like, she had sometimes they need a push to go through some hard things, to know they can come out the other side of it. And what that is for every kid and every family and every situation is so hard and so hard to know because unlike my older daughter, who I kept thinking in my mind too, push, 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 you know, it wasn't the right move. And she really was done with water polo and it really was damaging for her. And I think, I guess if I had to, summarize the difference it would be yeah. if it's happening happening repeatedly you know what I mean mm-hmm. again listen and and you know this seemed to be a one-off and there's been other times where we've seen the exact same 
behavior with her. And now we know, and we kind of can talk about it with her. And she, what are you fear, fearing? And even though she doesn't always know or understand, but that's a very specific to my kid. But I do think that like, there is something about understanding your own child and how much they need to be pushed or not pushed. And then if it's just if if it's happening so often, I mean, obviously there needs to be a, a change needs to be made. And look, that my daughter now plays volleyball and you almost don't have to push her to do anything. She loves it so much. I think a lot of times, you know, our kids are in the wrong sport or they're, you know, there's things that, that really the coach is awful and we don't know, like there's always a lot more going on and a lot more to it that, you know, we have to sort of put our mom FBI um glasses on and and figure out a lot of the times what's happening with these guys. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think that a lot of people will really relate to that. I can relate to that too. All the things that you said because I even think about my own kids and they are very different. And I am thinking of one in particular and she's loves what she does. It, it's she's the one asking for all of it, you know, I want to do this extra thing or this extra thing and then I have another child who is a little more fearful and we also have times where we have to push her too. And it is that fine line. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think that everybody, I, I hope what everyone's hearing is this, this conversation is just to gain knowledge and for everybody to hopefully take a step back and have some awareness and think, is this working for us? Isn't this working for us? It's not to judge anybody. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from everything you just said, going back to kids are different. They're different at different times, just to keep that open line of communication and trust yourself. And for some reason, if you pushed and it becomes too much, it sounds like they're going to let you know, just like your daughter did, you know, and it's easy to look back and cause hindsight's 2020 and say, I should have, I could have. But I mean, all of us at the end of the day, I truly believe we're just trying to do the best that we can with what we have. So I I love that you even gave the example of both of your daughters. So what did that look like for your older daughter? She just started pushing back. And then finally she said, it's too much. Or what did that look like? Yeah. You know, one thing too, before I go on to Piper is that, um, there's also this whole side that maybe we'll get to later, mm-hmm. but as part of that conversation that we just had, which is let them fail. Okay. So mm-hmm. if you don't, if you don't get them the private trainer, if you don't push them, if you, it's amazing what happens when a they're left to their own devices and you've yes. said, okay, it's your world. Now, if you want to succeed, you know what you're supposed to do. Um, usually they'll step it up. I certainly had that experience with my middle daughter, but also if they actually fail, wow, that's powerful, right? Because now they really learned some lessons and will do things differently and can make choices based on that. And, and I think wow. we talked a little bit earlier, but if you don't ever let them do it, there's so much, there's so much to learn from failures, but um, I love so that. For- Because I would also assume that then the kids have their internal motivation instead of mom and dad always getting in front of it and making sure everything's great. So, you know, if you're feeling a little discomfort or if you're having a hard time, I'm going to push harder on the lessons and the, and the extra work. So then you don't have to feel that discomfort. And I love what you were saying is, you know what, actually maybe take a step back and see what happens. And if they do fail, it's not the end of the world. 
It doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. It doesn't reflect poorly on you. Your child actually may learn some really great lessons and may come out more internally motivated to work at school, at, you know, music lessons, at art, at sports, at all of it. And again, I can see that in my own kids too. Now that you say that with my youngest, we weren't, we weren't in front of any of it. You know, she wanted to do things. And I mean, to be honest, and this may not sound the best. Sometimes we were like, no, we're too busy. That's good for her. Right. (laughs) With the other kids. And she's so internally motivated. Yes. Appreciates it more. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. My middle daughter was, um, had a bunch of injuries. It was right around the recruiting time for soccer. And I was feeling myself getting that out of control. And this isn't that long ago where I'm like, yes. did you go to the PT? Did you do this? Yeah. Did you do Cause it's like such an important time for her. And I finally, you feel yourself doing that. And you're, I'm Yo. like, okay, I'm getting out of control. And I told her I'm, I'm getting out of the, out of control on this. And I need to step back. It's your journey. Cause I also think it's important to not just do it, but to talk about it. So they have a narrative and they understand what's happening too. And I'm like, I'm stepping back from your rehab journey yes. and your re- recruiting. And I really did not, not only do you have to say it, but you have to do it. And it was amazing what happened because all of a sudden she was so much more motivated because yes. when when someone's making all the decisions and telling you where to be, you know, you're just like going along for the ride, whatever, but now it was hers and it was up to her if she was going to succeed or fail. And I think a, a light switch just flipped on. And I mean, she wouldn't be where she's at right now. I don't think if we had continued down that path we were on. I love that. I, I, I saw that in my own life too. I had one of my children who got an injury and the physical therapy and my house was the same that you're saying. I found myself almost forcing my child, like, don't forget, you have to do your stretching. You have to do the heat. You have to do the ice. And I'm like, you know, your, your team need, you know, saying all of this stuff. And then I finally checked myself too. Just like you're saying, I stopped and I said, you know what, honey, Here's the things that you need to do if you want to be feeling, yes. free, if you want to be back and I'm going to put them here in a list and I would encourage you to do them. But if you don't, that's okay too. And you know right. what? She did them. Of course. <laughs> of course. And you mm-hmm. got to have some peace and you took yes. away the yes. friction in your relationship, which is yes. huge as well. Yes. Yes. It may. Yes. It made such a difference. So I love that you pointed out to kind of let them figure it out sometimes, let them fail. I just interviewed, um, her name's Michelle Icard, and she wrote two books all about the importance of setbacks in our kids' lives and letting them fail. Oh, so good. it's right on point with okay, everything good. you're saying. And I love that you brought that out in sports too, because again, it can feel really against what we want to do as a mom. We don't want them to fail. We want them to be included. We want them to feel no pain, but oftentimes they learn the most about themselves, about how they can be internally motivated when they have these setbacks and when they fail and they can start being more responsible and empowered to make their own decisions. 100% agree. Yeah. So back to your daughter's journey, if you can kind of paint the picture of her journey, of your older daughter's journey, maybe some lessons that you learned, some things that she learned about herself. Yeah. So, you know, Piper, as I had said, she's my oldest and, you know, 
as I, I also mentioned, I worked in sports and yes. their dad, um, we were married at that time, worked in sports and sports was our world and our life. And we loved it. And, you know, we watched sports, we played sports, we wanted them to play sports. And so she was born into this life where sports kind of reigned supreme. And so she mm-hmm. fell in line and, you know, she was a great athlete. And I think that can also be hard when someone's really good at something, um, but it's maybe not their passion. So she kind of went along with the program. Um, There was a point when she was about five, I think, where we were going to go to the park and play basketball. And she was like, mom, I'm not an athlete. I'm an artist. Or uh, she said, I'm an actor at that time. And I was like, Like, you know, I remember like, (laughs) Like that moment so clearly and sort of seeing her and because she was like so creative and so just like, you know, the wildest games, the most like everything, like really over the top. And I remember thinking, nah, nah." (laughs) you know, like I pushed it down. I was like, but I knew it, it, she was telling me since she was five years old, um, you know, flash forward many years and she was even on a television show with Cam Newton about water polo in the Olympics. And wow. she was very good. And she had had like a, a meeting with the University of Michigan. <clears throat> she was playing really well. Um, she had a few things that at this point, I would say for the last, the prior maybe two years, she'd start to grumble about stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it was like this slow and steady sort of like uh, practice of mm-hmm. the coach, or, or, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you just kind of get, I think you kind of convince yourself that, oh, she's being lazy. Oh, she's yes. like, you, you kind of have all these things that Cause you don't really want to hear the truth. And that's when I said that, like, I don't think we had a very good communication um, style and I don't think I was open to hearing her truth back then. And so she'd try to say it. And, and then it got to the point where she was feeling sick and anxious. And, you know, um, this was right around COVID is right after COVID. So th- there's a lot of things that were, part of this there was COVID her coach is really intense and I love him and I I mean he's an amazing coach mm-hmm. but you know um she chose to go to the school she went to for water polo and for mm-hmm. this coach and uh we knew he was going to be hard but you know maybe if it was like an easier program she still would have been playing through high school I think it was a lot of work and it when your heart when it's not her number one priority she wasn't able to do any of the school plays. She, um, she started to really love art and she'd get home from water polo. It's such an excruciatingly, like you just use every ounce of energy. You come back it's three hours because it's in the pool and she had no energy to draw. And she just started, she started telling me at this point, it was no longer hints. Um, Mm. and it still took took us a while to sort of accept her truth around it I think we still were sort of like oh Piper just like you know you're being lazy you don't want to do this like just we can do your art in the summer like we we're always had yeah. all these scenarios um and then um she had a health scare and she was like I'm done like I I am 
anxious. I don't want to, you know, and I was like, it's embarrassing now to even talk about, you know, I'm like, well, the doctor said you could play after two weeks and blah, 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 wow. you know, and just still trying to force her back into it and get her back going. And it's recruiting season coming up. Let's go. Let's do it. And um, she was falling apart mentally, physically. Um, our relationship was suffering. She and I, you know, were not doing well. And so we pulled back. We like, okay, if this is what, you know, it, and it was hard. It was so hard. It was, as you were saying earlier too, so many friends in water polo. We were at that school yes. for water polo. So there was a pressure yes. around that too. Like it's a beautiful, great private school. You know, you're like, oh my God, like how do we even exist without water polo is how it felt at the time. Um, and then she, you know, it's not like she stopped playing and then the hurt is done. I mean, this was something that had been affecting our relationship probably for a lot longer than I even realized. Um, and so then there was the repair process and it really wasn't, and I still probably was telling myself at that time um, stories that that I wasn't owning enough of the problem. I wasn't owning enough of of why she quit and trying to sort of like, well, yeah, she, you know, she loves art and you know what I mean? It's like, and I think I wrote that article a few years past. I wasn't ready. It took me a lot, a lot of time to process, a lot of time um, sort of just to sit with it mm -hmm. and working through with her and, and hearing her comments, um, sometimes trying to be funny, but just how much hurt that caused her that we really weren't open to hearing what she wanted for a while there. Um, but I'll tell you, Allison, it was this, um, TikTok or maybe it was an Instagram by this guy, Jacob Roland mm -hmm. at some point after Piper had quit. And he's like some influencer. And it was a silly video of him talking about what his dad, um, his dad yelling at him after a game in the car. Mm -hmm. And someone shared it with me or I happened upon it. And I started to read the comments. And I think the last time I looked, there was like 16,000 comments they were all kids because they're all his followers. And one was the heartbreaking as after the other. It was all about the parents and how they felt so pressured to play, how they didn't have any choices or options, how their parents were shaming them. And it was heartbreaking. And it really sort of stopped me dead in my tracks of that's me. And here I was, you know, five years into, I love to watch you play or whatever. And I had done all these things I'm talking about to my daughter. And, um, you know, it's funny because people read that article about her and they're like, you're being way too hard on yourself. You know, you were a great mom, you're this, you're that, you're that. And I was all those things. I, I, I wanted nothing more then the best for my daughter. I loved her with all my heart. I still do. Obviously I would do anything for her. I wasn't a screamer usually, although I did have a moment or two. I wasn't like, but it's this like underlying pressure about what they're doing. And it doesn't have to be so over the top, but mm -hmm. it's not listening to them. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, making youth sports like this profession when they're just little kids. And I had started that from such a young age with my kids that, you know, I, they called me the fun sucker, Allison. They'd make like slurping noises at me because 
we'd go out to play, play. And I would be like, if it was basketball, oh, you're, you're not following through on your shot. Oh, the angle of your art, like everything to me, because I bring myself, like we've talked about to everything I do, I always want to get better and improve. And I even did as a kid, I think, but most kids aren't like that. And most kids want to have fun. And I really just took sort of a lot of the joy out of it. Um, but again, with Piper, it was, you know, over-professionalizing it, not like looking at the sort of looking at the end result too much and not the path and their journey. And like, sort of always talking about, I think I hear this a lot that like, they're never doing something right. Like parents are just constantly, we're never enjoying the process with them. We're like, well, maybe we should go get you a swim lesson. You were, you're, you're, you're not quite doing that right. Or, you know, let's go work on this or, you know, it's like all they're hearing and, you know, kids, you could have told them 10 great positive things, Mm -hmm. but all they're hearing are those negatives. And if every time they get off the field or out of the pool or into the car, and you start harping on what they've done wrong. It's just, who wants to live like that? It's just a, it's like they can never be enough or do enough. Um, And I certainly didn't feel that in my heart. And I think this is a really important thing to note for parents that it was to a place that was beyond like um, even my, my conscious knowing at that point, I, I, I loved her. I didn't ever want her to feel pain because of my pushing or pressuring or because of water polo or because of anything, but you just reach these points and it's just like, it it happens. And it's like the slow, steady thing. And then all of a sudden here we are, um, within a, you know, a, a block in our relationship and her having anxiety and her quitting water polo. And it feels like it happened like that. And I had only the best intention. So, you know, I really wrote that article as sort of a, a warning for parents of what I learned so that maybe, and again, like I said, it was also COVID. She had a, a tumor in her breast. It was benign, thank God. And, um, her love for art. So there, there was all these things, but it was, um, we didn't listen don't treat them like mini adults. Mm-hmm. It's that support versus pressure. Don't be that person with the frown in the backseat or when they get in the car in the backseat and you're, or even in the stands, you know, their, their lives are busy and hard and stressful. Be that mm-hmm. support system, the, be that cheerleader and not the one that's adding on and piling on. And then just the last two, I know I've been going on for a while. The last one is it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So look at that end goal of like them having a good, healthy, happy, successful career and don't get caught up on all these little moments. And um, last one I put in that article is just to stop nagging them about effort, because I think that's it's just um, that's just such a waste of time. And it was one of the main things I think I did with Piper wrong. Wow. I, I want to thank you for sharing all that. I think that when we share And when we're vulnerable, it's a gift that we give to ourselves. And you've gave such a gift to everybody listening to, because I think so many people will relate to your story and will really, really appreciate it. The thing that is stood out to me that's really interesting is you had this career where you were an expert in sports and in performance and how to help your kids be great performers. So that also had to be really difficult for you. 
because you were thinking to yourself, well, I'm this expert and my child is performing really well. And it had to be really scary then to take a step back and be like, actually, she's not going to do it anymore. You know, because I think a lot of parents fall into that too. Maybe you're a coach or maybe you're volunteering with the team in some sort of capacity, or maybe you have a profession, you know, how you did or a business around it. So you then fall into, well, my child has to be the best. My child has to do well. My child has to take these lessons because I have all this other stuff riding on it too. And so many times, just like you said, it's not an awareness. We're not aware of it as parents. No one would, I'm hundred percent sure you would have never intentionally done those things if you were aware, right? Like you wouldn't have said, right. I want to, I want to have a difficult relationship with my daughter. <laughs> I want, I want to her to be, her out. Yeah. yes, and stress her out and stress me out and have this friction and her to be unhappy and me to be unhappy. It just kind of is this snowball that really yeah, rolls really and does. rolls and rolls. And it I really think does. the other thing I would love to come back to too, is how you said that she was feeling a lot of anxiety and pressure. And we all know that kids these days are feeling an incredible amount of anxiety and pressure. And so there is something to be said about some pressure is good pressure. Some anxiety is good anxiety. There isn't just a blanket. All anxiety is bad. You know, some anxiety is healthy to get nervous. If you want to do a good job, all of that. So where would you define the line? Like, where did you see it turn where instead of her just maybe being nervous because she wanted to do a good job or feeling pressure to be a part of this team and do her best, which side note, that's another thing. I think that As far as doing our best, I find myself saying that to my kids, do your best, do your best. Nobody's perfect. I don't do my best every day. (laughs) Right. That was that effort piece. Yes. So to always expect them to do their best every day and never make a mistake seems like a really unrealistic expectation of mine. And even for themselves, everybody makes mistakes, but where did you see the difference or the turn? So the healthy, let's say, quote unquote, anxiety or pressure to where it got to a place where it maybe was a little more unmanageable and what can we look out for? Yeah, that's uh, wow. You asked really good questions. Um, (laughs) thank you. I don't think I saw that until after I don't think I respected that anxiety. I think I old school, tough, Yes. I mean, I grew up in the streets of Detroit. Like, you know, look, there's so much, so many things that are different for young people now with the computers and social media. And I really kind of, to your question, I was like in my mind thinking um, she's going to have to just figure this out and get over it. Like I didn't really respect that anxiety, um, thing that she was saying until after the fact. And now, um, I think we err on the side of caution, right? Like, Mm. I think you do need to push. And I think that the difference is, so I have a daughter in college, Piper is in college for art and I have one still at home who plays volleyball. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's talking. It's really, it sounds so simple. Um, but I think we really lose our way and get away from it. Mm-hmm. But I listen to her and I um, I am very um, open about, am I pushing too hard? Is this what you want? Mm-hmm. Is this something that we should rethink? Is this, 
It's really having the trust built in the relationship that um, you can have conversations about it. And obviously when they're little, little, it's like harder, but um, I didn't have that with Piper. I really didn't. I think, as I said, we were on this course and that was the course I was on. And now it's so different. And I also own my mistakes. And I think that goes a really long way. Um, what I'm trying to think of, there was an example. <clears throat> my, my youngest is a beach volleyball player mm-hmm. and indoor player. And she's trying to figure out, she really decides she wants to go beach. And so I start to go into mom like, okay, we need a partner. This is kind of a new thing. And I'm like yes. over, and I'm also a producer. I'm like, I'm overproducing everything, like calling it. And then like, I could see, I mean, if you're paying attention and you're aware, you know, your kids and I could see her closing down a little. And yeah. then I just own it. Like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm doing that thing that I can do. Um, And I think that goes a really long way. And then her being able to say, and here's the funny thing, Allison, a lot of times she say, oh my God, no, I actually need your help around this, or please don't back off. I want some pushing on this or whatever, but it's, it's just the ability to be transparent about each other's goals and, and, um, you know, she for a while wasn't doing a lot towards these reaching these goals. And, and there is this quote that I love. And it's like, if your actions don't match your goals, then one of them has to change. And I say that to her a lot because you want to play beach volleyball at this great college. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not doing anything right now, <clears throat> but sitting on your phone all day. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. And you have to be okay with that. And I am okay with that. Not that she's okay sitting on her phone all day, but if you don't want to play volleyball at those, that level, or you need a week break mm-hmm. or whatever, but let's line up what they are so that it'll take our attention and our stress and our friction away because you do need rides and you do need people to set up this or whatever. And I'm feeling like I'm doing a lot of the work on this end Um, so let's just talk about it, you know? And so like, they have to match either change your goals or change your actions to match those goals. And that's something that I, I talked to her a lot about. I love that you shared all of that. I think that, you know, it reminds me of what you were saying about just keeping an open line of communication with your child and having an awareness and, you know, just check yourself. Even if you want to put it on your phone, you know, every month, just check in with yourself and check in with your child. How are they feeling about their academics? How are they feeling about their extracurriculars? What can I do to best support them? And just have that constant open line of communication and not after they've had a bad practice, right? You almost need to get in front of it. It's, It's just a set time that you're going to say, Hey, we're going to check in once a month, you and me, and we're just going to see where we are with things. And if we need to pivot on something, obviously I'm, I'm in agreement with you. You know, if you make a commitment to a team for a year or for two months, six months, whatever it is, I think it's important to finish it out. Unless if there's like, you know, external circumstances or internal, some other reason, but for the most part, I think it's good to finish out what you've started. But I think just to have that where, you know what, I'm actually on your team 
I'm not against mm-hmm. you. I'm not this person pushing you on top of everything else. The other thing that I see sometimes with kids is they are really trying so hard at these, all of these things that their parents want them to do because they want to make their parents happy. So they see that this is important to mom or dad, you know, for me to be a good hockey player or for me to be a good baseball player or cheerleader, dancer, whatever, whatever, artist, musician, whatever it is. And I think there's a really fine line between trying to please your parents all the time and trying to make them happy in your actions as a child, which again is a really, really heavy burden to have versus the child themselves being like, I love this and I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a no win. I mean, it's a short term game you're playing. If, Mm -hmm. if you're pressuring your kids and you're trying to get them to do it for you, because eventually it's going to blow up in your face, you know, either they're going to be miserable and quit, Mm -hmm. or there's going to be problems. Like it's just, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, and I think it's so important that parents don't make it's it's not who they are, these things, right? Oh, it's yes. it's something they do. And and when we make it too important, it's all we talk about, you know, it really does kind of set up that sort of dynamic. Um, and that's hard for a kid. And and they do so often want to make us happy and make choices based around that. Um, and you have to just be really mature and, and make sure that that doesn't happen by being interested in what they're interested in and, you know, not having them just, um, you know, fall into line with what you want. And, you know, I just think it's such an important thing to always kind of keep in the back of your mind that, you know, their needs and their wants and all their interests are going to be changing and you yes. have to be interested in them. Um, not vice versa. And I think another really important thing, and it kind of plays into this whole topic Mm -hmm. is like, don't just talk about Stanford, and Harvard, and have the coffee mugs from the University of Michigan and the sweatshirts. Start when they're really young, talking about all the different paths, all the different options, taking them to visit these small little liberal arts schools that you know, that. if they're sporty, have a division three and you can see the atmosphere there. Like, I think too often we're feeding them this lifeline of like what success looks like. And yeah. so it, they may not even be trying to please us at some point. It's just like, that's all they've heard. And, and it's not going to be success unless they go to an amazing school. And that's just really unrealistic, really damaging. Um, And I think it really shuts off like a lot of possibilities. Um, I have a really good friend. Her daughter was an amazing soccer player and she decided she wanted to do plays and do all these things. And so she went down to the second team in soccer, did her plays, and now she's playing club soccer at Boston University and doing plays. It's Mm -hmm. She created a life that worked for her. You don't have to be playing at a division one school she's doing club or you play division three if you still love playing but like there's so many paths or you don't even go to college and you follow a trade it's like we have to love these kids for who they are and not what they're gonna be or what they do or you know and and I think it's really it seems 
small and subtle, but just how you talk about these issues in your house when when they're little tiny kids and the the coffee mugs you have and the sweatshirts you have and um everything you know you just you have to show them that there are other paths to happiness and to joy and it doesn't have to be you know 4.5 gpas with um you know all of these crazy hard classes that's really a path to um stress and anxiety and you know a lot of really maybe poor choices when you're not following what you love to do. Yeah. I think it's a really good point because when we look back, I think all of us want our kids to be happy. And is this really going to be their path to lead them to happiness? And I wonder if we even know what the path is, because I know what my path was because I'm myself, if that makes sense. But for my child, they're going to have to figure out their own path. Right. And I can be a guide I can stand, I can be a stand and support them, but just to encourage them to try things and to figure things out and you don't have to be perfect Mm -hmm. and you can do it messy and you can have the permission and my support to figure out what happiness looks like for you and what success looks like for you, I think is a really, really beautiful thing. So to just be open to listen to who they are and what they love doing and lean into that as much as we can, right? You know, sometimes finances or time don't permit doing that, but I feel like when we can and to just be interested in what they're interested in, right? Your path is going to take turns and lefts and rights. And sometimes it's going to go backwards as a child. And then sometimes it's going to go forward. You know, you said something that made me want to share about my middle daughter a little bit, Berkeley, about the path is going to go all over the place. Um, She started soccer late. And so she didn't play club soccer till she was in sixth grade, which Mm -hmm. is late by today's standards. She played every other, she was a cheerleader for a long time. And I was like, okay, we got a cheerleader. Like by this point, I was way better than with her sister. I'm still not perfect, but, um, okay. She's going to be a cheerleader. Okay. No, she liked some sports, started doing a lot of sports. Anyway, she played club soccer late. Um, she was on like, um, this national team training where they would like set up um, local regional training. It's not like she was on mm-hmm. the national team, but she was selected mm-hmm. for these local regional team training. So she was one of the best in the area at that point. Um, then a few years later, she wasn't even starting on her club team. Right. Yeah. Then she's has a horrible coach, almost wants to quit soccer, almost did quit soccer. Then mm-hmm. she, um, was doing pretty good and then had a bunch of injuries then she wow. was um player of the year in our area like i'm just saying this is how it works she went yes. 2 years where she barely got any playing time and you have to just be okay knowing that from point a now she plays at ohio state is like to you can't force your agendas you can't force yes. things that aren't it's going to be an up and down and a wild ride and you just support them through it and you love them through it and you don't add to their, you know, and and when they want more training or they want more of this, you help them with that. Like Mm -hmm. it's, but it's up and down and all around. And, and I think we often get so caught up in those lows or those highs. And then, um, we really lose our way and get lost. And it's not about that. It's about this huge, beautiful journey. Yes. I love that you shared that because I think it, 
will be really helpful for a lot of moms. I know that it was for me too, when you were just sharing that, because we can get really caught up in the moment sometimes. And I know this might be a little contrary to what we were just saying, but I think it's fair to say that you want to be in the moment, but also keep perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. So if something does happen, it's not the end of the world. They're going to figure it out. Maybe they'll end up to be a soccer star. Maybe they won't. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, as parents, we can end up almost catastrophizing things like, oh my gosh, her life's over. She's not going to have any friends, you know, and we, (laughs) we go there with ourselves and to just hear your story is a gift because I think a lot of parents will be able to say, okay, I'm going to keep perspective. You know, I'm going to remember the story and I'm going to keep perspective of both of your daughters because we can get, it's so easy to get caught up in it because you just want to be a good parent, you know? And I think the things that you said about having the awareness, having the open lines of communication and just keep checking in with your child to see if that's actually what they want to do are such great things. And the thing is they're really easy, right? Yeah. I love that they're so easy, but oftentimes we don't even take the time. I, like I said, I know that I hadn't even taken the time to ask these simple questions. Yeah. Yeah. And often, and you know, those are real sort of like big picture that are sometimes hard to get without going through it. Um, Mm -hmm. If I was to give like two little tips, um, that actually help in the moment when you're going through it. So when you're watching and your kid doesn't get put in the game and you're starting to steam and get mad, you know, I think there's a thing called like come to your senses, which just means, um, and anyone who has like a mindful practice is probably aware of this, Mm -hmm. but you're going through first off, you like notice it. Okay. I'm starting to get upset. She hasn't gone in the game yet. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to lose my cool. And you just start to notice what's happening around you. You feel the bleachers on your bottom. You feel the cold air if you're outside. You hear the noises. You like just need a little space between whatever's happening. And sometimes so coming to your senses can really sort of um, help give you that space. Mm-hmm. For a while when I was um, you know, just starting out as a sports parent, I would kind of go to the side Um, and so I couldn't, I just didn't want the energy of all the crazy parents yelling. And so that was another little trick. I kind of just did my own thing and I sat off by a tree and I could kind of keep my peace that way because I was getting caught up with everyone screaming. And like, if my daughter made a mistake, like, or it was just felt really like I was, and then I'm mad at my daughter too, because they're mad at my daughter, you know, and I just was like, I gotta remove myself. Um, the third trick and I wore it to show, um, is just get a rubber band or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, this is like a therapy trick for all different kinds of things, but it's just, I really like to just, I hold mine and there's like an, I have a little, um, raised, I love to watch you play in here. And I literally just sort of like touch it. And it just keeps me grounded. If I'm like, we were just going through playoffs and I'm not even, I don't really even get mad anymore, but I don't even want to get like, I don't want to lose control or feel that I can get really excited sometimes too, but, or like people will snap it, but Mm -hmm. you just need a rubber band, a hairband. It doesn't even matter. And those are just three sort of like practical things that you can do if you do find yourself. And those aren't again, like 
you know, big picture things, but those are when you're in the moment and you're struggling a little bit. Um, so, so those hopefully will be helpful. I love those. I think those are so helpful. And again, they're really simple and they're things that we can bring with us. The other thing I'd like to point out too, is it makes a lot of sense what you were just saying, because emotions are contagious. The energy is contagious. So, you know, when we're sitting by fans, maybe there are fans or maybe they're fans from another team and emotions start getting high, it's contagious. So then our emotions start getting high yes. or so if someone's becoming, over. yes, someone's becoming aggressive that might tap into our, you know, fight or flight systems too. And so then we start. So I love that you also pointed that out. And I also would love for you to speak to the screaming parents, because is this mm. helpful? Is it helpful when we're in the, in the stands, correcting our kids, screaming at our kids, you know, um, being negative, is that helpful? Because a lot of times as parents, you do want to say that, you know, you see your child out there and they do something or they don't do something and you do want to correct. It's just, I think it's human nature in a way. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I think most of us know that's probably not a really good idea. Right. But there is science behind it even. Mm -hmm. So like when you yell at somebody doing something, I mean, first off, just to, to your last point, the energy that it creates the toxic sort of like, and I'll tell you, I could be fine with Berkeley making a mistake, but as soon as some parent is pissed because it cost us of this, then I'm kind of mad at her, you know? And I'm like afterwards, well, we should have done the training. Like you just like, it just like gets you all. um, So yelling will cause that kind of um, energy. And um, it also, it ignites like the lower part of the brain, I think they call Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. which is your flight or fight, fight your fear. And so if you're screaming at the kids, they're not um, using the the upper part of their brain that's decision-making and thoughtfulness. They're just like little robots doing something from fear. And they're not actually, you know, making a creative play, or as I said, reading the defense, they're just responding. And you really want them to have their, so not, not only is it like toxic, And, um, it also then, you know, takes away the ability for their kids to be thoughtful when they're playing and their, and their ownership as well. So if you're yelling at them or you're even yelling at the referees, what message are you sending that they don't know what they're doing, that they can't handle it themselves. Even if it's the referees that, that somehow they can't win the game on their own. If we're not berating the referees about it. I mean, it sends such a bad message. Um, You know, a lot of times our coach sort of sets that tone of whether they tolerate that or not. So for any coaches you have listening, I hope, I mean, put an end to that. It's just like, um, it's, it, there, there's nothing really good that can come out of it. And if that's not enough, um, I remember this reader shared, Mm -hmm. they had had like a college coach come and talk to her um, team And he said, we're watching everything. And so if your kids are older and of the recruiting age, he goes, we don't want screaming parents at our games either. And we see all of that. And so if you needed a little extra (laughs) reason not to yell, and it may not even be a college coach. I've heard of a, a family that I know pretty well that what the son wasn't chosen for the all-star team because the parents are crazy and they don't want to deal wow. with that. They don't want to deal with screaming parents on the all-star team. So like it's, it, 
you are definitely a reflection. Your kid will get, will suffer if you can't seem to control yourself either. Um, the last thing, you know, the referee thing is a real bummer to me. I mean, I, I understand sometimes when parents fear is ignited over like an injury thing, like a, they, they're feeling, especially I'm thinking a lot of soccer right. or whatever, like the referee's not calling it. And I right. get that to a degree, yes. but even that, um, screaming out at the officials, they are part of our sports community. We're at a huge, um, you know, impasse right now where we don't have officials. A lot of them are retirees, young kids, teenagers. And when I hear people scream at them, like they are not even human beings, it, it just infuriates me. Me too. And it, it, it's like, it's so unnecessary. Not only that, but how about you talk to your kid after the game instead of how horrible the ref was that he's human and he made a mistake. Like yes. what, what, how about flip that lesson instead? I mean, it's just, it's so much ugliness around the refs and, and they're people, they are like people. And like, there's this one referee is walking off the game out of the game and his mom, his name was Luis. Mm -hmm. And his, I have a picture and I share it often because I just, it was so cool and gave it such perspective. His mom was 96 years old and she was still coming to games to watch him ref. Oh, I mean, these are people Aww. with moms and kids and grandkids who supports yeah. them doing their thing. And most of them love youth sports and love what they're doing. And so I just had to kind of get that in because it's just it drives me crazy that that people think that they can just scream at another human being like that even if they made a bad call but I really anyways. appreciate you saying that because I think that that goes across all lines I think that there has to be a better way to communicate than screaming coach to coach screaming coach to ump screaming ump to coach screaming parent to ump parent to coach you know, again, what, what example are we setting for our kids? And I understand that people make mistakes and people may lose their temper. Okay. That's okay. We're all human, but then you go back and you make amends and you apologize. Yes. You show your kids, you know what mm -hmm. mom lost her temper there. And that's unacceptable yep. for me to treat anyone like that. And yep. I'm going to find that ump and I'm going to apologize to that ump because again, what it. are we teaching our kids? If yeah. we are, ex you know, showcasing that we don't have to manage our emotions and we can mm -hmm. scream and yell at people, sometimes even our kids, what is that teaching them? It teaches them that it's acceptable for them to berate people as well. And so I, right. I really love that you pointed that out. I think that it's so, so important too. again, mm -hmm. everybody have an awareness when you feel yourself, I call them like a red in a green zone. When you're in a green zone, you're calm. You can think clearly when you find yourself getting to that red zone where you cannot think clearly, take a walk. Yeah. Go do something to calm breathe. yourself back down, yeah, Exactly. breathe, <laughs> do the things that you just yeah. said, calm yourself back down and then move forward with it. Right. And I, and again, I understand that, you know, when umps are making calls and you are fearing your child's going to get injured, I have been there. I understand that too. At the same time, there still can be a level of respect for another yeah. human, human right. to human, that we just don't cross that line. I also love that you pointed out that for our kids, when we are screaming and when we are 
you know, maybe saying negative things, maybe even positive things at a certain point that our kids can drop down into this red zone in their brain too, where they can't think clearly. Yeah. It's yeah, really no, interesting. I mean, it, it, there's literally no benefit from screaming whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No benefit. And I love, they do try like silent soccer and, and they do do um, some things like that in, in sports and it's really cool. But as far as parents screaming, there's just no point to it. And a lot of times we're, we're screaming the wrong things, by the way. I don't know how many times I've heard, like, you know, you're like, you'll hear a parent, you know, you're all, get to the left side or whatever, you know, and the coach is telling them to go to the right side. Like you're, it's just so, so nonsensical to try to in- interject into a game and, and scream at your child. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> it, but again, it's so common. So sometimes, you know, I can see parents feeling like maybe they're not a good parent if they aren't doing that. You know, it's almost a a child. I mean, I've seen it over and over again. I'm sure I've been guilty of it too. Your child will be out there. They'll be doing something. You think that it's incorrect and you almost feel like you have to say something like, Hey guys, I know that's incorrect. (laughs) So I'm going to point it out. Yeah. I, I got it. I got it. Don't worry. Yeah. That's funny. Yes. Almost get in front of it. Instead of, you know, everybody else thinking, oh my gosh, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. That's funny. Yes. And I, yes, I totally can see that too. Um, let's get to our last quick fire questions. Um, what is your favorite book? Okay. So I have 83 books in my audible right now. I told you, I am a self-help podcast galore audible. Me too. Me too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I Love usually it. it's driving the kids places or walking the dogs. I'm always kind of trying to do two things at once, but um, I think I, I tried to look and see which one I've listened to the most, mm-hmm. but I would have to say that it's Eckhart Tolle and practicing the power of now. Yes. Um, I love all his books, but I think I've listened to that one. And actually my daughter, Piper, who I've talked a lot about, yeah. we're doing our own book club because she's still struggling with anxiety. And so um, I told her, if you, if you have the bandwidth to sort of incorporate some of these teachings, you're going to be so much better for the rest of your life from it. So anyways, probably the practicing the power of now or close second, Michael Singer's the untethered soul. I really love that one too. I love both of those too. And I love you're on this journey of you know, personal growth and that you're inviting your kids into it too. You know, you're inviting your daughter and let's read it together and let's learn together. Again, just taking some of the focus off of the pressures and the expectations of our kids and just saying, Hey, let's do something fun together. Let's read it together. And maybe it is sports. Maybe you go out and you say, let's do something fun together. Let's throw the ball around or something. I think it's just whatever it is to keep those pieces of joy and those pieces of just being with each other and just connection in connection with the parent child relationship. So I love that you put that out. What is your, um, feel good pump up song? So it's probably changed. I mean, look, I'm a big like lover of rap music and classic (laughs) rock and everything Stevie Wonder is one of my favorite, but if I had to pick like right now, what I listen to when I want to like feel good. And it's kind of funny because I don't go to a Christian church, but I have a few Christian like Mm -hmm. songs that just, I just feel so inspired. I've come to religion really late in my life. 
Um, Mm-hmm. And I'm not one, I like love them all. And I take something from all of them, but oh mm-hmm. my God, I just get really fired up and it's so goofy. And all my kids make fun of me because I will just sing them from the top of my lungs, but I feel so good. And so my pump up now is a little different than when I was playing basketball or whatever, but like, yeah. um, when I'm working out, I'm listening to all my old, you know, Nelly and rap and whatever. Yes. I love it all. Yeah, and I just want to feel good. I have a few of these key Christian, they're not even Christian rock. I don't even know what they would be called, but I, I heard them from the church that is attached to my kid's school and I just love them. They make me feel so good. Okay. What are they? What's like your go-to um, one? Do you know? Well, I don't even know the name. Like one is, I was trying to like, listen, cause I, I listened to it this morning. It's like, you are good. Keep on getting better. Do you know that one? You, no, I don't. I have them. It's so silly. I saved them on YouTube, which is very impractical because I only like them being sung by the ones I originally heard. And yes. I go, I keep resharing it to myself on text and I just go back and I listen to them probably five, seven, eight times a week. I'll, I'll play them, but I don't even know. Like, I'm not even sure their names, but, um, I can find out and get them for you. Cause I tried to figure that out today and I'm like, just going off of the main words, but, um, yeah, I, I love I, that. I, know. I love yeah. that you were also open to an evolution, how you're saying you found religion later and you're saying that you have this song or these few songs that you come back to, to kind of just recenter yourself and to pump yourself up. I love that. I think music is magic and I do too. a good oh. song. Oh. It just is literally, it just changes how you feel, how you're thinking. So I love it for yourself. Yes. I, I totally agree. I feel so good after I listen to these songs. Like yeah. I just, and, and I'll, I'll play on my Alexa stuff when I make dinner, a lot of Stevie wonder, various, yes. like I don't know, Bob yes. Seger. I love everything, but yeah. these few songs and I'll try to figure out the names of them, but yeah. oh, they just do it for me. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Um, what does it mean to be a good mom to you? Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I really, it's the most important thing to me in the world, right? Mm-hmm. The most important thing. Um, and I've, I'm growing and getting better all the time and I'm not sure I was always great at it. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's really all about connection, for me, you know, and, and figuring out how to connect with them. Um, it used to be a lot more about, um, you know, helping them reach what they wanted to do and, and get them from A to B and, and making sure they were well-fed and rested and all these things that I could kind of like check off, check, 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 Mm -hmm. check, check. Um, And now as I've gotten older, it's really just more about connecting with them. And a lot of the stuff we've been talking about today, you know, communicating well, feeling um, that they, I guess if I had to pick the main thing is that they can turn to me when they need something. Um, And that's the most important thing. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. If you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, your nine-year-old self, what would it be? Uh, so much was about to come down right after that. Like it was a weird little pocket of time. I think I was pretty, pretty blissful at nine, but, um, you know, I guess just to weather the storm, trust your gut, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, and that you'll be okay. There were just a lot of, a lot of trying things that, that will come your way and, and kind of just always just continue to trust yourself and, and make decisions, you know, around what you think is right internally. I love that. Um, the last question, what is the best advice you've ever gotten? I don't have anything sort of that pops to me, like from my own mom, who is my hero and she's probably given me so much advice. There's no, no one person I've seen turn their lives around and have, and such a dramatic and, um, inspiring way. And even right now she has Parkinson's and she's doing, she's just started a Parkinson's pickleball league and she's just, she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm sure she's said and done so many things, but you know, I, I really, I think at this point in my life, it's really sort of based around, you know, the Eckhart Tolle type teaching of, mm-hmm. of just, you have everything you need inside of you. And, yes. you know, the world is going to be crazy and things are going to happen and just sort of know that and, and sit in that. And whether it's God and Jesus or mother nature or spiritual, this or whatever, you know, it's like, all of it is beautiful. And it, and it's all really just about, you know, you sitting inside of that and, and having the power inside of you and, and, um, you know, making decisions from that sort of place and, and making, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of not making decisions, I guess, is what Eckhart Tolle would say a lot of stillness and, yes, and um, being thoughtful and, and in the moment. Yes. I really want to thank you for making the time to come on. I think that this was such a powerful conversation and I think so many people listening are going to get so much out of it. I think they're going to feel empowered. I think they're going to feel inspired in their lives as parents and with their relationships with their kids. I think it's really beautiful when we started the interview that you said that you had a challenging childhood and sports were something that you loved and something that got you through it. And that now you have this organization where it's all about loving to play sports and how important it is. So the message that you're putting out in this world is so needed. And I want to thank you for your vulnerability, for sharing. It's so powerful to hear the stories from you and to see what you have created. You're making such a positive difference in kids' lives in parents' lives. And it's really special. Thank you so much, Allison. That's really Welcome. meaningful. I, I really enjoyed our conversation and you're a great interviewer. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and truly, I mean, what a gift, right? That um, you both, you and I get to do something yep. that helps other people. And, yep. you know, hearing one person say that they read an article and made a different decision that day is, you know, basically the world. And so, um, just feeling so grateful and blessed and thank you for having me on today. Wow. I really appreciated Asia and this conversation. It really made me think, and I wonder if it made you think too, it can be so easy to get caught up in our kids' activities and academics and all the things they're doing, their friendships, like everything. But this conversation really made me think and remind me of what's really important to me and my family. For us, it's, I want my kids to be happy. I want them to feel unconditionally loved always for who they are, not what they do or what they don't do. 
I want to have a great relationship with them. I want them to always know that they're good enough and worthy and loved just as they are, no matter what they do or they don't do. And I guess this was just a really great reminder for me of what's really important. And again, I wonder if it was for you too. Here are my biggest takeaways. Number one, if we're not careful, we can unintentionally bring our past traumas or our past hurts or our past setbacks or mistakes into our parenting and in our sports parenting. Midlife is a perfect opportunity to figure our stuff out. Don't ever be afraid to go get help. Professional help is always there and it's not a sign of shame. It's actually a sign of strength. Number two, when your kids show you who they are, believe them. When they show us what they love, believe them. Remember, they're not meant to be us. They're meant to be themselves. Support them in their journey. Number three, there will be setbacks and they will hurt and there will be victories and there will be successes and there will be wins and there will be failures and there will be losses. There will be great times and hard times. Remember, it's all normal. It's all part of the natural progression of childhood. Be a positive light in your child's life. Like Asia said, not another nag. Number four, focus on your family values. Use them as an anchor to help you make decisions when it comes to academics, schooling, college, youth sports. If you don't know them, look them up. They are on Google. If you type in family values, you'll get a list. Set up a meeting and decide together on what your family values are and use them to make decisions. It can be really, really helpful. Number five, our kids will take steps forward and backward and sideways in all different directions in sports, in friendships, and in life. Childhood, just like our life, is not a straight line. Be open to all of it. Number six, be interested in what they are interested in and remember that those interests can and will most likely change. Be interested in them as people, not just them as an extracurricular. What do they love? What do they hate? Maybe they love skincare or hair or makeup or Legos or singing or chess or video games. Encourage them to follow what they love, which sometimes isn't the same as what they're good at. Number seven, if you find yourself stressed or emotional at an activity, remember the come to your senses tip that Asia shared. Ask yourself, what can I feel? What can I taste? What can I hear? After you're calm, speak or act. Number eight, remember what Asia said, which was so, so important and so powerful. Parents and coaches, stop yelling and stop being negative to our kids. It puts our kids in fight or flight, which leads them to not think clearly, unable to do well, and only adds more pressure and stress to the equation and doesn't lend itself to a positive relationship for us and our kids. Instead, try to be an unconditional source of love and positive support in their lives. And again, the goal here is progress, not perfection. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love it if you shared it. Maybe share it on Instagram and tag me and I'll repost it. Share it with some friends. I think this is a really, really important conversation. And again, maybe you agreed with some of it. Maybe you didn't. I think all of that's important because when we agree or when we don't agree, it allowed us us to think and become more intentional about our lives. And it's so important, especially in midlife as a mom. I wanted to thank you for your time. I know that there are so many things that you could be doing, and I really, really appreciate you spending this time with me and with Asia and listening to this interview. 
If you'd like to connect with me, I'd love to hear your takeaways. Um, you can connect with me at Allison Marchetti on Instagram. I'll also put a link to my website. There's a bunch of free resources. Don't forget to follow the show. We have really, really great episodes coming out in 2024. I will also put all the links to Asia below in the show notes too. I know that she would love to hear from you guys. I really appreciate you guys and I will be back next week.